yeah, welcome everyone um, to our Blockchain Club President's Roundtable. Um, so I guess for, for some of those of you joining that aren't familiar with BAF, we're a 501c3 nonprofit focused on accelerating blockchain education and development of the user-owned internet. I'm Makai, um, Partnerships Manager at BAF. And let's see, so... Oh, okay. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I think my AirPods disconnected. Um, so tonight we're going to be discussing Blockchain Club leadership, uh, building projects, and navigating the bear market. Um, it's going to be generally an open conversation. Um, you know, we're going to kind of talk about what we did in our clubs for the semester, some of the projects that we're building, and some of our plans for the next semester, some of the struggles we're having as club leaders, um, and, and whatever else. And then towards the end, we're going to open it up to uh, anybody else that wants to speak um so we're gonna gonna do a open q a um so i guess kind of start off with um introing who we have tonight um i think we'll start off with jake um jake is the president of texas blockchain and also the founder of spawn global uh jake it'd be great for you to talk a little bit about what you're doing um and what you guys are working on awesome awesome thanks makai um like you said, I am the president of Texas Blockchain Club, and feel free to cut me off whenever I can ramble on. Uh, president of Texas Blockchain and founder of Spawn. Uh, Spawn is essentially a community of, of students interested in blockchain, uh, interested in Web3. We are essentially like a, pro a program-based community. We have our studio, which is dev-focused. We have our fellowship, which is kind of like venture-focused aimed at giving students kind of hands-on experience and practical experience in the Web3 space. Um, aside from that, a little bit about me. I am a sophomore at UT Austin right now studying MIS. I am not very technical. I don't really have a desire to be technical. Um, but got into blockchain about summer of 2020, really took off when I came to UT last year. My freshman year, I got involved with the Texas Blockchain Club. Um, kind of got involved at a great time, started off as the marketing and then vice president and now president. And it's been a journey ever since. Uh, that's my condensed version. Thanks, Makai. and excited for the conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Charlie, it'd be great to hear from you next. Definitely. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Makai. It's uh, very exciting. Yes, yeah, so I'm Charlie, uh, founder and president of Dartmouth Blockchain. Uh, we started the club last spring, just been building it up since. We're a project-focused club. So we have uh, groups of about uh, five projects right now, each with about three to four guys. Um, we keep our club pretty small um, and pretty tight-knit just because we're trying to create sort of like an incubator community. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, we're working on some pretty cool stuff. Hopefully we can chat more about what clubs are working on later in the call and kind of see what see what you guys are doing at Texas Blockchain and other clubs too. So, yeah, fun stuff. Sweet. Yeah. Eva, um, it'd be great to hear from you next and then Sharon. Of course, of course. Well, thank you very much for having me here, as I mentioned before. Um, I am Eva. I am a student engagement lead from the Algorand Foundation. Um, uh, well, I am here for, to support BAF and all the clubs that you are um, belong. Uh, my role here is to develop and to encourage students to build the next generation of young professionals. Um, and well, I am very happy to be here um, to enjoy the conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Can you guys hear me? <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, my name is Sridham Vishwanath. I'm a professor at the University of Texas. I've been a professor here for 19 and a half years. It's going to be 20 years next spring. I am a engineer by training. I'm um, a guy who uh, used to work largely in statistics, machine learning, called information theory for, for a long time. And now in the past five years or so, I've shifted to blockchains and, you know, can't get enough of blockchains and crypto. So uh, excited to be here. I'm also the faculty mentor for Texas Blockchain and uh, a mentor for BAF. So I'm looking forward to seeing learning more about everything that everybody is doing and seeing how it can contribute. Yeah. And I think maybe a great place to start off with is what we're kind of up to um, this semester as, as blockchain clubs, because a lot has, has been happening. We're kind of coming off from this really crazy bull market 
and all of a sudden a bunch of crazy things happened. FTX happened. Here we are in a bear market. And I know for me as a club leader, like uh, a lot of the engagement has just really dropped off, um, you know, within our student groups. Um, so I think maybe talking about like how we're keeping that engagement going um, and, and what we can do to kind of like continue on through the, through the bear market and really keep students engaged. Yeah, I'm happy to take that first. I, I saw firsthand when I joined Texas Blockchain a little more than a year ago. This was exactly when the time when like the NFT bull market was and like the GameFi bull market was. Uh, and there were probably around 60 or 70 people showing up to these meetings, kind of just asking what NFTs were and what is Bitcoin and how to make money. And it was really just heavy attendance at every meeting. It's you can kind of tell that the majority of people there were just kind of there to put it on their resume. And that's what I think mainly changed starting this year where we didn't have six or seven people showing up to meetings, but when we had our engineering and finance meetings, maybe we had 10 to 20 people showing up, but these were people that were showing up every week and engaging in all the meetings. We had our social, we had 30 to 40 people showing up. And I think the most exciting part about that to me was that, I think that the people that are building right now, like the, when, I, when I went to the engineering classes and there was sitting there learning and sitting there building, I think these are the people that are truly going to be leaving the space in 5, 10, 15 years, not the people that are necessarily there just trying to uh, hop in and ride the current trend upwards on these cryptocurrencies. Uh, so that's my take on like what I saw throughout the clubs and the way that we're kind of going about the decrease in interest is involving the members as much as possible, doing more projects, doing more thing like hands-on activities. We're looking to start up like a trading arm of, like an investment arm of Texas blockchain. Next semester, we'll be purely focused on executive-led projects where instead of putting the accountability on the members to actually do, to, to complete their projects, uh, the accountability is now on the execs. So they're, they're kind of like the leader of their team um and socials has been huge for us to to really draw attention so i guess just to wrap that up like um exec led projects being consistent with them with the members and um socials have been huge for us yeah i really like how you how you kind of captured like the fact that this is a really good time to build and it's a really good time to to communicate like what this space can be in the next you know 10 years and the fact that blockchain clubs are kind of a incubator for you know, the next generation of builders and leaders. Yeah, I mean, I think just to tag along right with what Jake said, I think uh, the build culture is just so huge compared to kind of like you were saying, Jake, with like the speculation culture of clubs that are just sort of people coming in to kind of bet on NFTs or bet on whatever, you know, no hate on that. But I think uh, obviously in a time like this, it's not totally conducive to sustaining long-term. Um, so I think, yeah, that's something like, uh, our club is really just trying to focus on is finding people who are really interested in building in the space as opposed to just making a quick buck um, on a rising price, on a rising price curve. So, yeah, I think that's huge. Um, and we've just been trying to go really project heavy in that sense, um, as opposed to kind of uh, we've done some events, but been more focused on internal stuff, just kind of keep the group tight knit and keep guys locked in. So, yeah, that's what really our, our focus and our, our hope for kind of building the future. And sorry, yeah. I don't, I don't want to hog the conversation. Uh, we keep saying builders and devs and stuff like that, but there's also a huge opportunity for people that don't know how to code. We just ended our semester with um, kind of a finance day where students were able to just pitch whatever project they want. And I think we had probably eight or nine pitches. We also did a demo day right after that of any actual builders in our club. So there's definitely opportunities for people that aren't technical as well. I just wanted to right throw on. that in there. No, 100%. Yeah, certainly like, you know, every some schools are, are kind of tech, tech focused. Others are like super engineering focused maybe or super finance focused. So, you know, I, I feel like it's good to cater to a diverse group of, of students, but also to to have a focus as well. I guess like at Dartmouth, Charlie, what, what is you guys' focus and, and what are you finding works the best? Yeah, so I think we're finding that these these uh, these projects of three to four people per project is working really well, and these projects aren't all software based. I think out of the five this term, um, two were software based, 
and then another uh, another group was doing a fund um, another group was doing just a, re- a research team so a full research team um, in in collaboration with a couple of protocols um, on risk vectors and DeFi and then a third project uh, was a podcast so we kind of launched our Dartmouth blockchain podcast with a few guys and focusing on kind of Dartmouth alums working in crypto kind of trying to connect that network because I don't know something we found is Dartmouth is known as like a great school for alumni connections postgraduate um, but really in the crypto space there is just not that channel yet and so we kind of found that hopefully we can be that channel uh, this podcast can sort of serve as a, a gateway to that in a sense so yeah I think that niche of sort of these small projects that are kind of continuing throughout the year, but keep the group tight knit and keep guys kind of focusing on, um, you know, deliverables on a weekly and a termly basis is it's really great. So, yeah. Interesting. I'd like to kind of contrast that with like how, how you guys are doing things at Texas blockchain, Jake. Um, because I know like, I, I think your club actually spans across multiple UT universities, right? So, um, you know, I imagine there's there's a different method of, of going about starting projects. For sure, yeah. So we have expanded Texas Blockchain as a chapter to Texas A&M, and we're looking to do some other schools. Uh, we're in works with that right now. And to be completely honest, this is the first semester, or this upcoming semester will be the first semester where we go full project-focused. We found that, well, for context, previous semesters were really just educational-focused where we had an engineering 101, where we had our engineering team kind of just lead these lectures. We had our finance 101, where we had our finance team lead these lectures. And then we had our web three 101, where it was like intro to NFTs, intro to Bitcoin, intro to like a broad uh, layer of topics. Uh, And this will be the first semester where we are leading projects uh, with our community. So... (laughs) um, I was actually going to ask Charlie a little more about he, how he went about it because our main thought right now is just have execs lead the projects and you know they're accountable for making sure the projects get done. So if a student doesn't show up, then it doesn't hinder the progress of the project. It's still up to the uh, blockchain club exec. And I mean, I'm, I'd love to hear other people's opinions on this. Like we've, we've been struggling with what to do with keeping members accountable when it comes to like attendance because interest goes up and down in these kind of clubs. We don't have the stability of these regular finance clubs who have 100, 150 plus members showing up to their team. So accountability with the members is something we've really been struggling with and hopefully these kind of projects can stabilize that. Yeah, I find it's like a really interesting way to actually incentivize you know, student engagement um, and, and finding people to actually get involved in projects. But you know, creating the the right incentives and then like actually keeping people accountable can be tough, especially when, you know, there's so much different things going on in a semester and, you know, maybe some people are graduating or or whatever. Um, Yeah. Charlie, it'd be interesting to hear, hear a bit more about that. Like, I guess like the process for successfully, you know, ideating and and then actually initiating on a project. Yeah. I mean, we, we're definitely still very much in that process um, as we sort of just wrapped up our uh, third, third term here and, yeah, definitely been, I mean, it's been quite the iteration from the start, but yeah, I mean, just like you were saying, Jake, we really have, we have a setup. So each project has a project lead and that person is responsible for every week. We have a weekly meeting. That person comes in and gives the update on the project and then gives the next week's work on that project and one of the deliverables and the work is nothing crazy. I mean, we all guys know that it's like max 10 hours a week, unless you're, unless you want to do more, obviously like you can't do more, but, um, and I think on the incentive part, that's another part that we have been um, kind of trying to figure out. And I think something that we're trying to do to keep that incentive is to kind of treat this like an incubator. So it really is like there's skin in the game and there's cash on the line and, you know, really cool opportunities on the line as opposed to just an academic exercise in a university club, um, which hopefully will prove to be pretty powerful and pretty incentivizing for most guys. It's proved pretty good so far. Um, as all of our projects this term hit goals and we should have uh, we're expanding to more people next term from our wait list and should have a few more projects come down so I think the system is hopefully working pretty well and we'll continue to next term but yeah I think the accountability thing like you said is huge and just kind of having each project with a project lead has been really big for us and um, yeah definitely something we're going to keep going with next term 
Yeah, it may be true. I mean, you'd have some some interesting insights on that. Um, you know, I know as an advisor to Texas Blockchain, but also somebody that runs, you know, an incubator, um, kind of replicating this model within blockchain clubs, whether it's at a, starting at a very small level, I think provides a, a ton of value. Agreed, agreed. Um, so folks, um, <clears throat> I, I'm old enough to have lived through the, the Web2 cycle in the mid to late 90s. And a very similar thing happened. People were doing, you know, different random things, not necessarily uh, very impactful, but they were just learning how to deal with the web. And then um, projects and ultimately companies came about that um, were able to weather the storm and really work through the web winter <clears throat> to become the Googles and Amazons of today. So I think that type of cycle is going to repeat itself this time through this winter, where there's going to be um, some really, really interesting uh, companies coming about from innovation that happens during this winter. So anyway, <clears throat> so having said that, I, I agree. I think doing things that are project and something fundamentally cool, um, something well-grounded, um, is the right way to go for every club. <clears throat> I think doing so in an incubation mode is even better if you can make it an incubator. So have a club incubator is, is very good. I think finding the right way to structure it so that you can operate it from year to year, uh, even when people graduate, keep continuity going, keep the learning going, is very beneficial. And ultimately, I think it's also good for you to think through what your niche might be. What is it that in your club that you can do given your membership that would be cool, that would make you stand out, make your members feel that they're contributing to something in terms of projects that gets them excited. And at the same time, hopefully you have that one project or two couple projects that really shine that ultimately get funded and become entities of their own with time. So I think thinking incubation mode is, is very good. I also think thinking what you can do that would be, given your strengths, uh, be differentiated is also very good. Well, I totally agree with you, Siriam, about what you mentioned about like a find the proper structure for projects. Uh, for example, because of my position, I receive multiple uh, questions uh, um, and things regarding like a funding and, and grants for projects. Uh, for the, from students and from people in general. And um, sometimes these first steps about like a, a properly structured a project, because the idea must, must be fantastic, should be like a, amazing. Like a, you can find like have the, the best idea or the best project or everything. But if you don't have the proper structure, if you don't have uh, the proper lines to go for, to move forward, it's very difficult to find like uh, the, the the right funding or, or the right accountable uh, management uh, for your projects. That is why I, I believe that like, uh, the, the the student clubs, um, the incubators, the community are the right place to find the support and to structure your projects properly to find the uh, the progress that you you are you are looking for, and then uh, try to move forward and find the right per right persons. Uh, to help you on your projects. Um, that is why we, we, are, we are here and we are like a supporting the student clubs and the young professionals because they have ideas, they have the energy, they have everything, but they need to, to structure and to focus only in the project and to find the resources for that. The resources are another thing that, we, that is very difficult to find, but uh, moving forward on it, um, it's easy to do it. Yeah. And then I guess like we have another, a whole nother aspect to look at and that's like actually navigating our individual universities that we're building in, um, and, you know, and kind of dealing with the restrictions and making sure that we're getting the support we need. Um, you know, I know like each school is different, you know, some schools have a very strong presence in blockchain, but others do not at all. And I think blockchain clubs have the ability to, you know, create a very, very valuable community around blockchain um, but also bring a ton of value to a university, um, you know, but that can be hard to communicate. So, you know, I'd be interested to see how you guys have, have kind of done that and, and actually communicated that 
you know, th those goals and those values. Yeah, I'd say on the, on the Dartmouth side, it's definitely um, still an ongoing battle. We're currently in the process of working on getting Dartmouth's first blockchain class set up. Um, so we've been working closely with our advisor and then a couple other professors that he's connected us with, um, as well as some alumni who are also pushing for some blockchain-based classes at the school. So we should have something, um, I believe, in spring term or latest come fall of uh, 2023. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. But it's definitely still a fringe space, um, even as, as mainstream as it seems to us. But I think, uh, yeah, it's it's a battle worth fighting to kind of get that blockchain education in the school because it would I think that would bolster clubs so much and bolster adoption even beyond that. So, yeah, it's something we're working on. And that, that kind of process for you guys, was that like, you know, reaching out to professors, reaching out to, you know, key administration in the school, or was that more of building it from the student side and, and showing the school like what you guys can do? I think it was really a combination of both. I mean, we got really lucky um, that just when we were forming the club with our initial initial group of about 10 people, um, one a great alumni alumnus came back and gave a talk um, on Bitcoin mining. And he had actually spoken with a professor in the engineering school about doing a class because uh, this professor had some experience. And um, so he connected, our group was at that talk. And so we went up and spoke with him after and he connected us with that professor. And so I think kind of once we were talking to that professor, we were sort of able to kind of show the work we've done. Um, so that's kind of where that second part came in. But yeah, it was, uh, that was great meeting him. And, but yeah, it was definitely a combination of both for sure. Yeah, I think Suram may have a, take on this i'll just talk about the uh education like the actual curriculum in the school um sure maybe after if you want to chat about the uh the process of actually working with the formal educational department but i'm actually the ta for the one of the uh, undergraduate blockchain courses uh as the president of the blockchain club and i know a lot of other execs on the team like we didn't know about some of these other blockchain courses that were offered on the undergraduate and graduate level. I think there's just like a huge mis misalignment or miscommunication between some of the parties where we only knew about one undergraduate blockchain course, but apparently there were like two to three, maybe even more uh, other courses offered. I know that the one that ITA, it's me and Armel, the previous president of Texas Blockchain, for those who know. And it is very uh, fundamental. We go through kind of like exactly what you would think. It's a if you've seen like the MIT online course, uh, open courseware course, it's, it's pretty similar to that. The history of money to the introduction to Bitcoin and cryptography and all, all the introductory stuff you can kind of imagine. It's a great course, though. I think we had about 70 people last semester um, you know, in, the, in the class. And you know, I love teaching it. And the, there are dedicated students who show up every week and stay after class to learn more and ask questions. Um, and... I think that I think it's a great start for now um, with with that having that kind of education structured by the campus. Sriram, though, I'm curious to uh, have your take on working with the school. <laughs> so working with any school is very hard, um, especially if you're a public school. If you're a private school, it might be a bit easier, but even then it's hard. So it's not the easiest thing to be able to convince a school to change the curriculum, add a class, Fund the class, that's one of the hardest things. Uh, so folks, we have a couple of challenges. One is the university itself has inertia in doing something. The other thing is students by their nature are what's called a memoryless system. That means that what you did four years ago is completely reset um, unless you build in some memory, right? So that's, again, a very tricky piece because unless you have a way of maintaining continuity, um, the system will essentially reset in the in in a few years, and so you you have to find a way to do that in a sustainable way, and the university is not going to help you do that. So you have to find a way to do that yourselves. So with with both of these in mind, my suggestion is that each time you have a officer um, change, you almost have a little session a training module that says hey these are all the things that we have been doing you know 
Um, so you maintain that continuity. That's number one. And number two, to work with the university, find the least resistance path. It may not necessarily be faculty. It may be alumni who could come in and say, you really need to do this. Often as alumni, it's, it's rarer for faculty to do something, uh, even rarer for staff to do something. So it is better to have some some additional support to be able to pull something off. And in my limited experience, now that I've been, you know, working with multiple schools on this, the business programs tend to be a little easier. Um, and then the engineering programs tend to be a little harder uh, in, in getting things through. So if that is the case in your school, try to work with the business school first and then try to orchestrate something in the engineering school. Um, so do it, play it one step at a time. If you try to do this entire thing at one go, uh, it'll be it'll become a tougher task on you. So find what is the easiest thing. Maybe it's a one credit undergraduate seminar. Start with that, <clears throat> then try to introduce uh, a graduate elective in business. That's often the easiest of all graduate programs. And then, you know, try and then extend that graduate elective to become an undergraduate elective, but do that slowly. <clears throat> so if you know how to choreograph it, then you could put, a, put together a curriculum uh, and find a way to have create some hysteresis, some memory in the system so that uh, each time, you know, this gets happens again, a bunch of people graduate, you're not restarting this process. So that, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I really like what you said there about making sure that things are able to be continued on once people, you know, leave the, leave the school, or graduate, whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's super important. It seems like a lot of the resources are there. A lot of things are in place, um, but they either get forgotten or left behind. Um, so I think, you know, building some sort of like wiki for your club or building, you know, this, this database for your club that can, you know, live on beyond whoever's leading it at the certain, you know, school year, it's really important. Um, so I, yeah, I guess to go back to, to one thing that I thought was interesting was the point made about, you know, during the web two times, right. In, in the two thousands, um, you know, there were students building on things that were the next Facebook or, or the next, you know, big social app, et cetera. Um, and now we're kind of in this similar scenario, but in web three, where these student clubs are coming together to build different things. Um, but there are some different dynamics and it's probably not going to go down the same way that it did, um, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, I think now we actually have this opportunity to work together as clubs. Um, you know, maybe individual universities will lead certain innovations, but we actually have the opportunity to really like work together on a global scale. Uh, and it, I think it'd be interesting to, to explore that a bit. There's one more thing I need to make I say because it, it happened, you know, um, and I realized this is something that we should uh, keep in mind. Uh, building out one of these programs is um, a multi-year task, <clears throat> especially on the education side. If you want to build out a full curriculum, it's impossible to do everything within one semester. It'll take you maybe a year, maybe two, but it's also fairly easy to have the entire thing go south. So if one of your programs is not well orchestrated, the university can come and try to cut the whole program. So you lose everything at one shot. So watch out for that. Uh, build it up slowly, orchestrate it well, and then sustain it well. Um, in that way, you can actually work through much of the red tape um, in, in, a, in a more coordinated manner. If your club is well-coordinated and has good understanding of what worked and what did not in the past, uh, you can build a fairly sustainable curriculum on the education side and build a good incubation program all at the same time. Yeah, I think that's, that's a super good point. Um, this is not a, you know, three-month endeavor this is a you know at least two years of, of one's kind of 
for your university experience. And hopefully, you know, the school might allow you to be an advisor after or whatever that I see that, you know, happen a lot. Um, but I guess kind of like back to this, this theme around building projects in, in bear markets, um, you know, and I think uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there in terms of building on different platforms and protocols. Um, you know, Eva, I'd, lo I'd love to hear from you on that, um, you know, kind of garnering support from the ecosystem as a club to successfully build projects. <laughs> or anyone else that um that uh has any thoughts on, around that yeah i mean so we texas blockchain hosted a hackathon this previous semester and it really just it comes down to being super individualized with a lot of these sponsors uh, finding out exactly what they need and what stage they're at uh some companies are purely looking for the brand awareness they just want to slap their logo in front of some different student initiatives which is great because it ends up helping with student initiatives. Um, other companies are like purely only looking for students to use their technology. Others are looking to build on their uh, on top of their technology. I think it comes down to just understanding what they need and tailoring offers to them. I think UT was definitely in a unique situation, uh, mostly thanks to Suram helping us out with many, many of these connections. Uh, but just given the fact that we were also a a bigger school with a pretty large developer ecosystem in a large city where, you know, Web3 took a big, was a, was a big boom uh, last year. So that, that definitely helped a ton. But also on uh, just on a different topic on spawns fronts with our studio, our studio is, it's a 12 week program for uh, 20 students to just build. It's not like an educational thing. Um, and we partnered with a couple of different ecosystems for this over the next a uh, year or so, and it really, like I said, it, it, co it comes down to tailoring your offer to them, understanding where they are and how you can be of help to them. Um, at the end of the day, these larger ecosystems are the ones uh, with the say, with the power, um, and tailoring your offering to them has been a huge help to us for both Texas Blockchain and Spawn. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different opportunities too. Like what what someone can do as a club, and really like, I, I think it it's important to note like you want to align with what your your student body is focused on, and, and kind of align with the dynamics of your current team. Because um, I know like certain clubs, you know, we we as a club have tried to like go to a hackathon and and participate in a hackathon. It's like we're not really a CS focused school. Um, we probably would have been better off focusing on like doing something in DeFi. Um, so like, just like very important to, to either properly steer the direction of your club and, and actually recruit the student body for that or stay very concentrated and focused on what, you know, your club is best at. Yeah. It's an interesting dilemma as a technology club. We always thought like we don't need to do tabling on campus. We don't need to like be doing any of this in-person merch. Like if people are interested in web three, they probably have Twitter. They probably have discord. They'll be doing this stuff. Um, and to that point, we stayed a little bit away from uh, like the in-person tabling and stuff. Maybe that's hurt. Maybe that's hurt us a bit. Um, curious to hear Charlie, how you guys go about that recruiting scene too. Yeah. So we did, we have a, a big sort of club fair every fall before the first day of classes. Um, so we did sort of a, we had a booth there and did a little outreach, um, got a list of people and then did sort of an initial um, event kind of to explain what we do as a club and um, from there kind of filtered on further. And then we did sort of an application process um, for our core. And then through that application, just kind of did rounds of meetings and um, sort of there were a few criteria that got, people had to hit um, to kind of get acceptance to our core. Uh, but then we also created an initiative called the community because uh, we saw we had a fair amount of interest, but uh, a decent amount of people who maybe didn't know if they really wanted to fully commit or maybe they just kind of wanted to uh, come to a few events, but they weren't sure if they wanted to do a full project. Um, so we kind of created this community. Um, so we have our core, which is kind of the regular club and everyone who's kind of applied and is working on projects. And then our community, which is open up to anybody. Um, anybody can join our Discord in that community and 
kind of be part of the conversation and come to all events. So yeah, that was sort of our, our, uh, our two part recruiting this term. Um, and I think next term we're, we might do a little bit more. We have a, a decent kind of wait list right now, luckily built up from that first recruiting push. So we might do a little bit more off of that. Um, but yeah, really just kind of trying to dive into our current projects and um, see, see what sort of people are out there who could add value and really want to kind of commit in the spare season. Cause obviously it's a, it's a, it's a good testing time, you know, good time to weed out uh, the people who are really committed. Yeah. I like, I, I like what you, you're saying there. I think it's really important to, you know, whether it's a, a club leader or as a team is to digress between a core team and a community. And I don't think, a lot of clubs really properly distinguish the difference between those two and communicate that to, to people that are interested. It's certainly a mistake that, you know, we made in our club early on was maybe overwhelming our new members a lot because we were kind of viewing everybody as like a potential core member where it's a lot more important to communicate like, look, this is, this is this level that you could get involved in, but you know, we'd love to invite you to get involved at this level, but there's going to be some different steps and a lot of responsibility involved. Um, I guess it, it would be nice to go deeper into that. Like, what are some of the criteria you guys are using for, I, I guess, interviewing in a sense, uh, these potential core members? Oh, yeah, Jake, you, yeah. I would say just, do, just doing things. Um, you know, I got involved in the club as the first head of marketing. There was no head of market. There was no marketing team before I joined. And I just, joined i started up with the twitter i started up well i didn't start it up but i, I took over twitter took over discord took up all the took over all the socials um helped run a hackathon last february um i think that was the main reason that i kind of just worked my way up in the club just doing things uh, getting uh, just being an executioner that's what i'm seeing more and more with the kind of the people um coming into the club as well the people who are just coming to us with an idea for an initiative and less so waiting for approval and more so just getting things done. Uh, I think that's the main thing for my end. Well, I totally agree with you regarding about what you mentioned is, is very special, Jake. It's about the passion. Uh, for example, you, me you mentioned like a few minutes before, a few seconds uh, before, uh, about like a, there's, there were no marketing in your club and you take the lead. That, that is what... I, I truly care when I talk with a student uh, who wants to build a, a club or wants to uh, make it bigger or find resources or ask for something to the foundation. So then I ask like, a, hey, what, do you, what are you going to do with this? Uh, do you have uh, any idea uh, to manage these resources, financial, technical, non-technical, whatever? And sometimes they are like, a, yes, I know how to do it. And, and they explain me how to do it. And I say like, a, hey, this guy is convinced. Uh, they have the conviction. Uh, let's give them the chance. Um, and what you mentioned is what uh, all the, the, the successful clubs uh, are driving in, like uh, to have passionate uh, core members, to have the, the vision and to know that after uh, the, the graduation, the club was still there uh, with the guidance, with their help, with, with the resources. So that is what makes a, a club very, very big uh, and very useful for the students to have the, the passion to, to drive it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's it's also like super important as a leader to, to act apart. Um, you know, not everybody might be the most intro, introverted or extroverted leader, but um, to really like kind of get into that startup mode and, and really like, you know, show your passion as a leader is super important. Um, Charlie, I know you're trying to speak a little bit more on that earlier. Yeah, no, I'd say just kind of echo both of what Eva and Jake were saying. Like it's uh, for us, it's really about commitment over skill level. Um, I think we have a, all of our schools have a fairly amount of our, uh, talented people in the space people who could add value just because anyone can um and so i think really it's about what what our club is looking for is like who can really kind of commit put in the time and really have the passion to keep going even in a in a bear market like this um over just like kind of credential credential basis so um yeah i think that's really what it boils down to for us yeah that, that's awesome um I guess I, I think 
you know, as we, we've kind of discussed some of these different things, it would be good to go a little bit deeper on collaborating with other clubs. And, you know, cross-club collaboration, I think, could unlock a lot of value. Um, but I, I think it's it's often overlooked. Um, and, and also with that, like, I, I know we have other club leaders here and club members here. So, you know, raise your hand if you want to talk. It'd be, it would be great to open up the conversation a little bit more as we, uh, as we get to the end. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I asked to take this opportunity to show a little bit. <laughs> With uh, Spawn, I mean, that's one of the main one of the main things we're trying to do at Spawn is foster that interschool collaboration. That is the basis of our studio. It's the basis of our fellowship. It's really the basis of all of our events and everything we do. With the studio, uh, the students are paired in groups. Then they're partnered with a mentor from our partnering company. Um, the 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 fellowship is the same thing. It's it's focused on research and venture pitching. Students are paired in groups. And they work in groups to complete the projects at the events. I think I saw Sahir. Yeah, Sahir is in here, uh, the president of the BU Blockchain Club. We hosted a great event with BU Blockchain, BU Entrepreneurship, and the Boston Blockchain Association about a month ago. And I think we had like seven or eight different schools there from around. Oh, Makai, <laughs> apologies. Makai was there. Um, we had attendees yeah. from about seven or eight different schools, and it was really a great turnout. Um, so that's on the spawn front. On the Texas blockchain front, something that we're looking forward to is just expanding to different UTs. Uh, I think I, I believe UPenn hosted like a, a trading competition uh, with the old FTX. Uh, not, not, not no shade on like UPenn there. Just uh, I think hosting. I think that was a great initiative that they started, and doing these kind of different, whether it be trading competitions. Um, you know, I'm, if, if I had the answer to that, well, that's like the million dollar answer. Um, but trying to figure out these different initiatives to host between schools and the actual blockchain clubs are rather to respond, I think is a, is a big problem to solve. Yeah. And I think like the idea of a trading competition is perfect, uh, especially if you can kind of create some healthy competition in between. In, in exactly. Between schools, like fun know, things that's yeah. not like super tedious or boring right. to do for these students. Like trading is fun. <laughs> Speculating. You know, the competition <laughs> already exists, so we can work together. Here, I, I noticed you got added as a speaker. It'd be great to hear from you. Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, so my name is Sahir. I am the, one of the co-founders and president of BU Blockchain. And uh, yeah, so like Jake said, we had this great event this year where uh, Spawn, the Boston Blockchain Association, and BU Blockchain hosted a great networking and panel event. And um, I think the biggest thing about the blockchain community, especially because we're all young, is that we're so driven. And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be that you have to have in-person events or such. It's also like you could meet virtually, you could come by a uh, uh, Promote competition is great because it leads you to create innovation strategies. But I think it's more about, honestly, networking is a huge thing, in my opinion, because you might feel limited by the people in your vicinity. And so if you're able to meet people from other schools or other areas, that could potentially lead you to you know make a group that could be interested in the same idea. And so I, I feel like being active on Twitter, being active on Discord, and um, being in the right community and areas will really help you as an individual, but also help schools grow as well. And I also want to touch on working internally in your school, because I think it's really important that you collaborate with pre-existing um, uh, organizations. You know, there's already like a fintech club probably and stuff like that. And so using those people as um, springboards, because in those big clubs to have people who are interested in crypto and blockchain and so forth. And so like, that's a great place to go and um, grow uh, individually as a club. Yeah, that's, that's super valuable insight too. I think, you know, getting involved in, in communications that like, whether somebody has a discord or, or a telegram, but also like as a club, just making sure that you're being open with that. Um, because I know like, you know, in my own experience as a club leader, we had kept a lot of things private, um, like our discord, um, you know, any of our chat groups. And that was a huge mistake, um, especially like being a Boston area club where there's so many other universities close by. Um, it's just always better to, you know, to not see yourself as a competitor, even to other clubs, which is something that does exist, but to actually, you know, find different ways to work together and just like, just chat, just get in other people's discords or, or whatever, share your ideas, share your projects. 
I think like one thing I should talk about is like about growing your club in general. I don't know if I can change the topic here, but for those who are interested, like it's really important to understand your position in your community. Like for BU blockchain, it's been really difficult because it's been hard to grow and it's been hard to gain people. And a big part of what we talked about earlier was about um, when the bear market started, people kind of left because they didn't like they didn't see the value anymore. And the people who really stayed are the people who see that there's actual real world application for this technology and this use. And I think it's really important to be able to figure out um, what uh, the p- people who are committed to your club really need and want. You know, it's 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 really easy as a president or as a new member, as a new club, to like really try and aim for the stars but you know you have to first take your baby steps before you can uh, reach the next part and so um you know don't be afraid to like send out feedback forms or talk to people who come regularly because ultimately you want to it's, it's your blockchain is like a intense topic and um if you're if you have a busy week as a student and you have to choose between going to a relaxed club and a club that's focusing on technology uh it can be difficult unless you're really passionate about that technology to go to a blockchain a club event and such. So I think it's something that I've learned personally and for those in the audience who may are, are trying to create, grow their clubs and trying to, uh, especially in this difficult time, really, first of all, don't have really, uh, don't have hard expectations on yourself if you don't get 50 people. If you get 15, get 20, that's still a great number. And two, um, make sure you just, uh, make sure you deal with the needs that your group, your, your, your club needs given that your position in the community. Yeah, I really like that. Um, And it kind of reminds me of something I was thinking about and that we were kind of talking about earlier, and that's like creating this kind of like, I I guess, legitimacy as a club is is important Um, and to communicate the fact that like, okay, we're not about like just degening on on NFTs and and stuff like that, um, which is like, it, it attracts a certain group and a good amount of attention, which I think some of it's healthy, but in the long term, like, you know you want to communicate the fact that like okay we're focused on the technology side of things we're focused on the building side of things um you know we're not like a investment club specifically and that sure like maybe that could work at certain universities but overall like just creating trust is is super important um and i guess like you know maybe um eva you might have some insight on like connecting with other protocols and, and and people in the ecosystem to kind of like build that trust through um, you know, projects that are existing and, and already, you know, doing great things. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when, when you are from, from this side, from when I, when I, where am I, you will always have, have to deal with multiple projects, multiple initiatives, uh, clubs from, from everywhere. For example, uh, in, in U.S., uh, clubs is, is a thing. They're a proper organizer. They are uh, full of um, activities uh, and engagement. This is very cool and it's very nice. But in other parts of the world, there there is not a thing as a club. For example, in Latin America, in Asia, um, in some parts of Europe, um, or in, an, in other parts, uh, for example, in, in Australia, there is a few. And there, there is a lot of students trying to build things and trying to, to have um, this space uh, with friends, uh, with colleagues, uh, where they can talk, they can feel comfortable and, and find some, uh, I don't know, some resources to, to grow professionally or to find a job. Well, these spaces are, are, fi- are, are very hard to find, are very difficult to, to build. Uh, so that's why uh, sometimes uh, blockchain with the decentralized uh, fundamentals and with the, with the protocols, they're very well connected all over the world. Sometimes it's easy to find resources for these students. Uh, and my aim for, for the next years is to find better uh, point of connections for, for, for these guys, for these students, that they don't have a point of connection uh, with organizations or they don't have a good relation with their university and want to find uh, this place uh, for, for to build this, this future. Um, well, uh, this, is, this is all. Um, and blockchain uh, will incentivize uh, all that you are saying. Find the right incentives. Find the right place for everybody. I remember, like uh, Jake mentioned, like uh, 
uh, well, I am not technical, and he neither. And I am, I am here working in a, one of the biggest blockchain all over the world. Uh, there is place for everybody. It's just to find the, the, the right path, is to work very hard, is to not giving up on, on little things. Uh, it's about like, to talk with people, connect with community, ask for help, ask for job. Uh, find yourself uh, a leader and ask your leader uh, if you want to do something or be yourself the leader. Um, and sometimes this, this is like a, what I, I, am, I am trying to, to build, uh, being like a, this is a student engagement uh, lead. Um, and well, you guys, Bob, are doing an amazing job. I, I really enjoy this. This space was amazing. I hope to join like a many more because this is great. Um, and well, with, regarding like a projects in the in the Algorand ecosystem, well, um, uh, in the past, uh, in our past event, Decipher, uh, we could successfully um, find a, an internship for 20 students from Middle East, and they are all working in projects uh, from the Algorand Foundation. Uh, I mean, from from the Algorand ecosystem, uh, Folks Finance, Wiru, AgroToken. Um, there is another project too, uh, Brand Labs, for example, um, C3, another more, and many more. Uh, well, this is possible in blockchain. You can find the, an internship, you can find scholarships, you can build your, your own team for a hackathon, you can compete, you can study, you can do whatever you want. It's just to just be yourself uh, and, and don't be afraid to join. Yeah, I love that. Um, I guess that, that's kind of like a, a great way to kind of wrap up this this overall, you know, chat about like building projects and, and working together as clubs. This, this was a great session, folks. Really enjoyed it very, very much. Um, Mikai, if I may, folks, um, in, in a few decades, you get an opportunity to do something innovative. That happened in the mid-90s to late-90s, but I think that's happening again. So we are in a unique spot in time where you can have an impact that last decades. And so if you think of it in that perspective, I, I hope many of you think of that in that perspective that you're in a in a moment in time that comes around very rarely. And you your contribution, especially if thought out and executed, can really make a difference uh, in this world. So please um I, I hope that tells you what impact you can have. And I'm confident many of you will have that impact. Yeah, thank you, Shurab. That's that's awesome. Hey, guys. Um, uh, my name is Franny, president of VCU Blockchain in Richmond, Virginia. What up, Jake? Um, just want to say keep building, keep your heads up. Uh, I don't know about you all, but um, recent events have definitely affected the sentiment here, like around campus and stuff, because it's already hard enough to build up a community um, out of nothing, you know, and <laughs> with a lot of skepticism. So curious to hear like the sentiment on your guys's end uh, concerning recent events in crypto and Web3, how people are addressing the situation. I know from my end, um, it's not really stopping us, but it's definitely gotten some you know, mockery from, you know, those traditional business people or like, you know, just some people who have been doubting the vision all the time. But um, yeah, passing it off to y'all. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, I think like it's it's really good to kind of communicate to students like the long term outlook of, of the space and like kind of echoing what Sharon was just saying, like we are kind of like the the builders of of the next kind of generation of of technology um especially when it comes to like things around web3 so um yeah uh, to hear from anybody else on that would be great i think it's super important yeah i'd love to add to that um i think where we're at right now you have to find like the right mix of of doing and learning i think if we can position ourselves at a point where we are three, four, five, six years ahead of anyone else just starting to get into the space in the future, uh, we can really put ourselves at an advantage. And it is tough sometimes thinking like, 
all right, well, I'm spending all this time reading these papers, watching these YouTube videos, learning about Web3. What they, I would hope everyone has a little bit of skepticism in here, like, oh, what if, what if this all doesn't work out? But um, I think I've been reassured plenty of times um, that this, th- there is really aspects of this that will impact our future. And if we can spend our time learning now, doing now, getting the experience now, we can position ourselves uh, at a point where we're just far ahead of, of the general population that will pick this up in however X amount of years in the future. And I think that's also motivation in my head where, you know, we are three, four, however many years ahead of other people. How do we make sure that we don't uh, lose, lose this head start? How do we, how do we make sure? Uh, so that's, that's a burgeoning question in my head, but love the question for any, I think just it's all about learning right now and seeing where the real use cases are in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. There's, there's not really any downside in like continuing to learn and, and like really questioning, you know, what do you believe now and what are you doing now? And like, how can we, how can we improve? How can we adjust? How can we change and, and really just keep that long-term view? Totally agree. Um, I also like, it's kind of reminded me, I hope recent events have also kind of drawn more attention to those that aren't in it for profit, right? And are really in it to learn um, because that's really what's important at the end of the day. And I think that's really shows the true drive and passion. And like someone said earlier, we're all young and driven. So um, yeah, uh, again, great discussion by BAF. Um, always open to hearing more about you know, students or just young people in general in blockchain, uh, really. So um, you guys feel free to follow me. I'll I'll follow back. I keep my tweets protected um, just because Twitter is a little too public sometimes. But um, yeah, keep on building. And thank you, guys. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, Would love to just like, you know, if if anybody else has anything else to say, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. I think that we're going to actually do this format and, and keep it going. Um, so we're, we're definitely going to do another one. We'd love to have any other feedback. I think I want to say one thing related um, to what has been talked about before. You know, everything that happened this year, um, people think it's bad, especially people who are outside of the space. But you got to realize that it's really good that the bubble bursts now instead of in five years when we have literally the most insane market capitalizations of companies. And like we are like, I don't know, 10 times leverage instead of being three times leverage over leveraged. Like, it's honestly a great thing that this happened now. And instead of looking at it as a negative thing, like, yes, it's horrible that people lost all their money and savings, et cetera. But the truth is coming out and this is going to set the tone for the new generation of startups in the crypto space. Like a lot more due diligence, a lot more research, potentially regulation. But that's not a bad thing. Like, it's good that this has happened. And you know, it's important that we use these lessons as learning points so that we don't just all go happy, go lucky. I mean, just because crypto is virtual, then that, that doesn't mean that like, um, it's not like money, like it is real money, it's just that because you don't have a physical holding of it, you forget that it has a lot of value. And I think second thing is like, something that a lot of people around, um, at least BU's group of like small people interested in blockchain is like, we're coming to realize that um, the problem with crypto was that it was um, an investment asset without a product like traditional finance as like you have a stock and the stocks are uh, ownership of a company and a company has a product or a service. So you can physically see its, its value. But with like a, with crypto, it's really hard to put value on, uh, on it because everything is digital. Everything is virtual. And a lot of what's been created has been uh, like creating forced value in, in, in a way. And so I think, that's something that a lot of people have learned about and are going to be a lot more mindful of instead of just thinking about a 10x coin or something like that. Like the the bubble has burst and we're like facing reality. I, I just want to add one thing that I really love and about being involved in Web3 is like the critical thinking side of, of, of it all. Uh, I assume that's prevalent in lots of other industries. This is just mainly the first industry that I'm delving into. But being able, trying to decipher between what's crap and what's not, uh, what will be useful in three to five, ten years, and what's not. Watching, it's really interesting watching some of these YouTube videos and papers from three, four, five years ago, and seeing people's predictions from then, and just wondering like what 
Like they had no idea what would be uh, relevance today still, what would be in use today. I mean, you look at the top 100, uh, if you look at coin market cap top 100 in 2017, I can't even, I don't even know what percent of it is different from today, but it's a large percent. And trying to make those predictions and guess those macro kind of trends is super interesting to me. And I think that's something that um, I love about the space. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's, a, that's an awesome place to wrap it up too. I, we're going to do this again. Um, so for the, for the students here, have an awesome, have an awesome break, um, you know, relax, refresh. And, and I think we're going to have an awesome spring semester in terms of building our clubs up and recovering from the bear market. Um, hopefully starting some projects up as well.